Very pleasant. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you all, one and all. However, and wherever you are joining us here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I uh, got a really good show to uh, to deliver to you guys. Uh, it's all Aggie coverage. So if you are wanting to hear about the Aggies and you're sick of hearing about the Utes, uh, we are the show to listen to today. We got the Coach Smith Presser. Uh, that just was completed about 15 minutes ago. Uh, so you hear from Coach Smith. We'll get your breakdown of the Fresno State Utah State Aggie game tomorrow night. Four o'clock is Coach Smith night. Uh, where they'll have a very special giveaway to the first 200 people who are in attendance. But joining me now, without further ado, I want to get this kicked off immediately because uh, this guy is extremely busy, and it's so kind of him to join me here, uh, despite his crazy schedule. Richie Schuler of ESPN, he called the uh, he was the uh, analyst for the San Jose State Utah State game a couple nights ago in that 71-59 scrappy win for the Aggies from a team of San Jose State who came out tougher than expected. And that's where I want to start, Richie. How are we, my man? Doing great. I'm actually glad that I had that game at San Jose State because I also had the game at St. Mary's, and so you probably wouldn't ask me to come on if they hadn't won the other <laughs> night at San Jose State. You know, let's start there, actually. You know, that St. Mary's game was without Cuba, without Keta. Uh, it was, I mean, it was a very tough game. You could tell size was going to be a hindrance for Utah State, but it almost seemed like Utah State really played an extremely well ball game. It's just that Fitz really got hot in the second half. Yeah, you know what it was? It was a it was a neck and neck battle up until about the two minute mark of the of the game. Uh, two minutes left, and then between the two minute mark and the one minute mark, it was bang bang bang. Uh, St. Mary's hit two three pointers back to back, and then they hit a little mid range shot down the post. So that was the first time all season long, the only time all season long that Utah State has been out rebounded in a game. I think they got rebounded by two. Uh, no doubt they were missing Karbowski, and obviously when you get Kata back, things are going to be a little different. Uh, now let's fast forward to the San Jose State game. What did you see from San Jose State that gave Utah State a little bit of trouble there in the first half? Number one, Utah State's improved. They, they, they look better. This is probably Coach Prelo's best team in his three years there. They're longer. They're more athletic. They have guys that can really attack the basket. And I tell you, in the first half, Utah State had a difficult time keeping San Jose State's players in front. Uh, at the same time, though, now San Jose State, they have guys that can shoot the ball, but for whatever reason, in games, they're not knocking them down. I mean, they're like 25% from three on the season. But in that first half, they hit six. They were six of 12. And so, you know, I knew in halftime, I, I was talking to Roxy Bernstein, who I was working with. I said, look, I don't think that they're going to shoot that good in the second half. And if they do, they might pull off this upset. But sure enough, you know, San Jose State really struggled to shoot the basketball. And Utah State did a great job making adjustments, taking away the three-pointer and having a hand in their face every time. I want to ask you about two players from Utah State. First one here, Alfonso Anderson. Uh, came from a small college in Idaho and has turned out to be an absolute gem here at Utah State. What do you like about his game so far? Number one, he is, he's got a, a good motor, and he's very skilled. He can shoot the outside ball. He uses that shot fake well. He can hit the mid-range. You see him offensively. He can just bully his way to the basket. I mean, he he's a six six guy, but he's 220 pounds. So he's kind of that inside-outside guy. He's a tremendous person, by the way. He's one of the nicest young men I've talked to this season. Uh, but, you know, I think he got a lot of confidence uh, down there in the Jamaican Classic. I'm sure you talked all about that. I mean, he was, what, 21 and a half a game, I think, during mm-hmm. that tournament and mm-hmm. five, six boards, and he was just a monster. So, I mean, Alfonso, he's, he's a, a big pickup from Coach Smith in the Aggie program, no doubt. Justin Bean went from being a walk-on to a scholarship player, now leads the Mountain West in rebounding with just under 12. 
and it's the only player in the conference averaging a double-double right now. Uh, he's the first Aggie to average a double-double in the season since Mike Santos in the 76-77 season. Is, there, is he a legit candidate, if he can keep this up, to be a Mountain West Conference Player of the Year? I think so. I think we even talked about that in the broadcast briefly um, against San Jose State. Uh, he, no doubt, I mean, he's got the numbers. I mean, nobody else is averaging a double-double. And then he's getting a block a game. He gets two or three assists a game. He's another guy that's kind of like Alfonso Anderson, who's an inside-out guy and very versatile. But he's extremely fundamentally sound. Uh, he's really worked hard on that jumper, you can tell. You know, he's not knocking down a lot of threes, but, I mean, he can hit the mid-range pretty easily. Talk about the Jamaican Classic. I think he was MVP of that class. He was. Uh, yeah, he was terrific. But here's the thing about Justin B. He is all energy and all effort all the time. No question. Uh, it's amazing the motor that he has. And, and I, you talk to Coach Smith, I'm sure you've asked him about this. I mean, he is just uh, astounded at the progress he's made in the year and a half he's had him. And he goes, you know, it's nothing really we're doing. I mean, yeah, we're putting him in the right places and we teach him stuff and this and that. But it's just amazing how much he's come along as a basketball player. And he just has a knack to find the basketball. I mean, you, you can use Energizer Bunny. You can use whatever. It's just amazing wherever the ball is, it seems that Justin Bean is the one who's got at least a hand on it if he doesn't have possession of it, you know? Are you surprised that Utah State dropped 10 spots in the AP poll for one loss by eight points as St. Mary's without two key big men? Not really surprised. You know, the voters, I don't, you know, people who vote for those polls, I don't take a whole lot of stock into them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it's all, I mean, come on, let's think about it. Think about the preseason. Preseason number one uh, got knocked off Michigan State. Shortly thereafter, Kentucky got knocked off. They were number one. By my alma mater, I might add, Evansville, <laughs> went in the rough arena and knocked them out. And then, uh, and then Duke gets beat by Stephen F. Austin. So three number ones get knocked off in the same month, the month of November, not even a full month of college basketball. So, you know, it's early. It's so early. And, uh, I mean, now it's, it's amazing now, by the way. I'm, I'm totally getting off topic. But you look at the seven of the top ten teams in the top ten right now are either ACC or Big Ten teams. If that holds up, I mean, obviously you got the two best conferences in the country right there. So when a team like Michigan has the run they had and they get all the way to the top five from unranked into the next week, uh, you know, nothing surprises me. So Utah State getting knocked down, you know, oftentimes they don't give programs that come from mid-major conferences a lot of love. And when they get one loss, oftentimes they knock them down pretty low, you know. Richie Tuller of ESPN joins us here. He uh, had the analyst broadcast of uh, St. Mary's game and San Jose State. I'm sure he'll be making more appearances here at the Spectrum coming up. Uh, when you look at the Mountain West Conference, it's the top-tier teams have really shown themselves, uh, one of those being San Diego State, still undefeated. In fact, you know, Richie, when I look at the schedule, San Diego State could be 13-0 and coming into the Spectrum on January 4th at 8 p.m. for a showdown with the Aggies. Well, what do you see out of the Mountain West Conference so far? It's incredible. I mean, it, I think it's better. Now, you don't have Nevada being the way Nevada has been the last couple of years, but, you know, Steve Alford's up there. He's a phenomenal coach. I mean, he's going to get them going. He doesn't have the talent that they had in the past, but he's a great coach, so you got to be careful then night in and night out. But I went to San Diego State's practice about maybe five, six weeks ago. I live in L.A. They're in San Diego, not far away. And, you know, who are they missing? They're missing Malik Pope. Who, yeah. I think he, did he get drafted or at least he made an NBA roster or something like that. He, uh, you know, he's, he's tinkering in the NBA right now. But honestly, they lost Malik Pope. But you look at the team, and they don't have any holes. I think they're better. 
I think they're a better team than they were a year ago with an NBA player on it. Uh, you know, they got the guy, his name Yanni Wetzel, the Vanderbilt transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, big, strong guy. He's filled in some places. Malachi Flynn came from the Pac-12. He's doing a great job scoring the basketball. But they're a better shooting team this year. They're better in the inside. They're better defensively. I mean, that is a very sound program. And then you have New Mexico. You know, New Mexico is a team that they had a lot of injuries last year, but they had a ton of talent, but they never really got it all together. Now they're they're healthy. Uh, they got most of their guys back. They've added some pieces. You know, they're playing that crazy style where they're going to press you all game and try to score 120 points a game. So that's a little bit of a niche that you can only prepare for once, you know, twice a year. So, you know, the Mountain West has improved. I think it's getting better and better. I know, was it 2013, there was, what, like five teams in the NCAA tournament? It's kind of dipped from there, but I think it's back on the rise up, to be quite honest with you. Namish Keda, when he does come back, people are saying that he's still a top 10 draft pick when he when it is time for him to go. What's one thing you want to see him develop or get better at to be able to be re- NBA ready? A better jump shot. And I, and I think the NBA scouts have told him that. So expect to see him looking to take some, some more outside shots. I know he can hit a little bit, but uh, I think he needs to be a little more consistent with his mid-range shot. He's a seven-footer. You know, he's 250, whatever he is. He's strong. He's long and athletic, and he can block shots and rebound. But there's a lot of those kind of guys in the NBA. So, you know, what when when the post is being taken away because you've got two seven-footers double-teaming you, what can you do to help that team? And they're going to want to see a jump shot. You know, pretty much that's really what it comes down to with a lot of big men. Unless you're Shaquille O'Neal and you're so dominant, uh, you got to have a little bit more of a consistent jump shot. So, uh, I think that if he's developed that a little bit better, you know, and he's getting off the ground a little bit higher on his jumper, I mean, man, the, the possibilities for him are endless. I mean, he's an outstanding talent. Uh, Sam Merrill at St. Mary's went nine of eighteen, or excuse me, nine of nineteen from the field for twenty-three points, and then at San Jose State was five of fourteen from the field for fourteen points. Uh, you see teams kind of target him defensively. Am, am I wrong in saying that? What have you seen defensively? What they've done to Sam Merrill now? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to take some blame for him struggling to shoot the ball at San Jose State. I hadn't eaten dinner, and before the game, about a half hour before, I was eating a chili dog at the scores table, and he was doing his stretches. And as he came up towards the table to do his stretches, Sam looked me in the eye, and I, I swear to you, I'm telling you the truth, he said, hey, man, can I have a bite of your hot dog? And uh, I didn't give him a bite of my hot dog, and so I think maybe that affected his shooting ability that night. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, he wanted a bite of my chili dog. I said, Sam, man, you're going to want chili before the game, so... Uh, <laughs> Give the man what he so, wants, Richie. Yeah, this I is on you. I mean, there was a bunch of beans and chili and everything. I was like, dude, this is not a good look. You know, you don't want this before the game. But I'm going to take some blame. So I, I apologize to Sam for that. You know, so um, but uh, uh, true story, by the way. But honestly, he, I mean, he's the he's the reigning player of the year. And, and honestly, right now, I think he's the, you know, probably the front runner for player of the year right now, again. Uh, even with you know, all the right struggles. Now, I, even with the struggles, I mean, he still has good shooting percentages. You know, what is the shooting percentage right? It's still in the mid-40s, right? Yeah. I mean, from three, so. that's outstanding. That's terrific. Uh, he's shooting 17 a game. He's getting a few rebounds. Or he's making, scoring 17 a game. He's getting a few boards, and he's getting assists. But usually you give that award to the best player and the best team. Um, but guys are certainly going to key in on him. You know, if I'm the opposing coach, you know, we're making a big deal about Sam Merrill. Like, make his life difficult. When he has the basketball, make sure he sees not just the guy in front of him guarding him, but a couple other players 
that are in the way to stop him from trying to drive. Make him pass the ball and make somebody else make a play. So, But even with, like, Derek Alston, what's he, like, 21, 22 a game at Boise State? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just a game over 500. Uh, or maybe they're game under. They're right around there somewhere. Um, you still would give it to a guy like Sam Merrill. But, you know, that really stuff just depends on how they play in conference. Yeah, you're right. Sam's shooting 40% from the field right now. He's 45% from deep. i got to ask you this, though. How stunning, because I was listening to your broadcast, and you guys almost were speechless when Sam missed two free throws consecutively. <laughs> I know. What was up with that? i I, I got to go back to the fact that I didn't give him a bite of my chili. Though. Yeah, this is all on. <laughs> you just confessed <laughs> to the reason why Sam's struggling in San Jose State, and I can't tell you that we're going to handle it well next time. Uh, <laughs> you know, you tell Coach Smith next time you see him, tell him, say, look, man, I'm all this. Next time you well, see him, I got you guys on schedule. He probably went to the bench and said, Coach, I, I – uh, I wanted a part of a chili dog to help me for a night, and Richie wouldn't give me any, so... uh. (laughs) Uh, Twice I've taken the blame, because last year he blamed me for doing a little shooting demonstration. (laughs) I do remember that. Yeah. Hey, uh, Diogo Burrito, defensively, I I know you guys uh, guys just talked about him a little bit. When you watch him defensively, what stands out to you about Burrito? I just think he's just solid. Like, look at his frame. I mean, he's just got a strong, solid flame. He's not going to wow you with a ton of athletic ability. But Brio is just solid. He's got a super high IQ. Uh, he, he knows where to be off the ball. He's really good off the ball, like his help side rotations. But on the ball, I mean, he, he's probably always going to be guarding a guy smaller than him. And he's just he's physical, so if you try to drive on him, he's laterally quick enough where he can, he can guard, what do you say, guard the yard. You know, guard three feet to your right, guard three feet to your left. And if you can guard the yard, which he can do, and he's got some physicality and a strong chest, guys won't want to guard or drive against him. So he's just that solid player, um, you know, with a high IQ and, and, and good mental mental quickness as a defensive player. Hey, let's talk around about, uh, about the whole entire country as a whole in regards to college basketball. Give me your one surprise so far in this early season and your one disappointment. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, Definitely my surprise was Stephen F. Austin going into Duke mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and and coming off of that victory. Uh, that was surprising to me. I mean, going into Kentucky didn't quite surprise me as much because, uh, you know, oftentimes they're just loaded with freshmen, and I just don't think they're usually ready. Kentucky's a team that usually gets better in March. Uh, my biggest disappointment, you know, to be quite honest with you, I, I think it's North Carolina. Um, I had high hopes for North Carolina. I lived there for a long time, so I follow them. Sorry, I'm referencing two teams from North Carolina, eight miles away from each other. But, uh, you know, North Carolina had that loss in their own building by quite a bit. And uh, they lost two of their last three, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, I'm not sure. But uh, I'm just a little bit surprised that North Carolina hasn't come out a little bit better and, and put some teams away a little bit stronger. Uh, you have UNC and Virginia, speaking of which, by the way, both who came off of losses. UNC got dominated. Uh, by Ohio State and Virginia got blown out by uh, Purdue. Those two teams face each other. What do you see in that matchup that stands out to you? Who needs to step up for either team, for uh, either Virginia or North Carolina, to come out with a win? Well, you know, I think more or less, this is the way I think Virginia plays. I think Virginia is a team that that is thinks along the mindset of like, hey, they've got to beat us, so let's just do what we do, and not worry about individual players and just go out and, and play our style of play, and it's worked for them. I think the stat is for Virginia, I think they're holding teams with 44 points per game, at least until the other night when they lost. That's crazy. 
44 points a game. That's like a middle school or high school game, you know, with shortened quarters and, and uh, low amount of time and not as good as players. So I think for Virginia, I think, you know, the way they got pounded, like you said, I, I think it's really for them. It just comes down to playing better defense. Purdue scored 69 points on them. That's 25 above the average that they usually hold teams to. So, you know, I think it's going to be a complete refresh, and it's going to be a complete, hey, man, we've got to buckle down on defense. And honestly, I kind of feel bad for North Carolina playing them because uh, they are going to be extremely elevated on the defense side of the floor. Hey, uh, really quick, before we let you go, we're getting Richie Schiller of ESPN joining us here on the Full Court Press. i, I got to ask you, uh, you've been inside the spectrum when that place is packed, when it's loud, when it's chaotic. Uh, I've been told that there's about 500 or less tickets now available. What is that place like for you? If you can give us a personal, you know, I guess, thought on what the spectrum is like for you as an analyst sitting right next to that student body. You know, last year was the very first time that I had the chance to step into the, the arena. I had never been there before, and I had always had Utah State on the road, and I had you guys against New Mexico at home. It was incredible. You know I like to get in the student sections. I've done it in a lot of different arenas. Didn't do it at San Jose State because there wasn't really wasn't a student section. But I'm telling you, when I go there, I think on January 21st, I'm hoping the herd welcomes me in because I want to have some fun with the students. It's incredible. The environment incredible. The atmosphere is terrific. It's fun. I love the chance and the excitement that the herd rolls with. What is the mascot? Big Blue, right? Mm, yeah. Big Blue, yeah. I've got, I've got to meet Big Blue. I didn't meet him last time. So, uh I, I just love it. I, I love a fun crowd. I, it's really impressive what Utah State has done. The home atmosphere is uh, certainly an advantage, and it's got to be, if not the best in the conference, got to be top two or three. It's it's just incredible how much the fans come out and the students just get after it. Well, tomorrow is Coach Craig Smith night, and in honor, they're going to give uh, the first 200 fans a bald cap to honor Coach Smith, and everyone will be uh, asked to wear a certain tie. I have just received a message from a Utah State official. They have one saved for you. So next time you're actually here at the Spectrum, they've got a ball cap for you. Uh, you meet up with them, and they're going to they're gonna take good care of you. Man, that is awesome because uh, Kyle Cottom, the sports information director, I, I asked, he told me this the other day. I forgot who you just mentioned. He told me about the ball cap. I said, yo, you've got to save me one of those because well, I totally forgot about this until just now because i got to roll with that. And then, so we were watching the shoot-around at San Jose State, and Kyle's bald himself, and we looked around. There's six <laughs> bald guys. <laughs> on the Utah State team, either on staff or on the team. So I don't know if this is Craig Smith night or if this is just six guys on the Utah State basketball Hey, does that include that Kyle, by the way, the six? Yeah, he's one of the six. Holy cow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rocking that bald cap when I come to town in January. Well, they do have one save for you, and uh, in fact, it was actually Kyle Cottom is the one who told me that they have one for you. As soon as I told him I was interviewing you, he said, tell him I got a bald cap coming for the next time he's here. So, uh <laughs> You, I think I think they're saying that you have to wear it during the broadcast, though, no matter what. Sorry. I'm doing it. Like, I'm okay with it. If I can convince my producer to be okay with it, I'm rolling with it. That's always the problem. I always have these great ideas, and the producers have to put, like, hey, Rich, put on the brakes, man. We can't do that. So. Hey, you know what? You actually always, because you didn't give Sam the chili dog, and then he struggled, and so now we are asking you to redeem yourself by wearing a ball cap. On national television, in front of the uh, in front of the herd. That's all we're asking for. I'm typing the email right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richie, you're you're incredible. Thanks for uh, joining me here on the show. You're incredible talent, and we look forward to seeing you next time you're at the Spectrum. Appreciate it, sir. Hey, you guys, keep it rolling and keep doing a great job. Thanks uh, for having me on. All right, thanks, my man. Appreciate you. Okay. See you. 
That's Richard Shore of uh, ESPN. He's, uh, he called a couple of games uh, already this season in St. Mary's and then uh, also at San Jose State. We hope to get him back at the Spectrum. He was, like he said, he was here last year for the New Mexico game uh, and has been really impressed with Utah State and all. In fact, when I was talking to him before uh, the show, he was I mean, we, we texted a little bit, and he was excited to talk to Utah State basketball because he knows the potential of this team and how good they are. Uh, so, uh, again, a big thanks to Richie. Uh, we'll have him on again, I'm sure, uh, in a heartbeat. But uh, Aggies, Fresno State, tomorrow, first 200. Now, wear a shirt and tie, white shirt and tie. I mean, here's the thing, actually, coming to think about it. Because I sit right at that you know, front press row. I don't think I've ever seen Coach wear a white shirt. Now, he wears, okay, wait, wait, wait. Wear a white plain shirt. It's always like a flannel you know, pattern to that, um, you know, red stripes or blue stripes. I mean, there's just always a little bit of a pattern to it. I've never seen him wear a straight-up white shirt. Maybe I'm, like, crazy and I'm blind, but I don't think I've ever seen him wear one of those. <laughs> uh, but, uh, again, tomorrow, 4 o'clock, is uh, Utah State, Fresno State. First, you're going to get a ball cap. And uh, from what I've been told, or at least what I've heard, there is less than 500 tickets available for this game. That is how excited the USU herd and the and the Aggie Nation is about USU basketball right now, uh, and you should be. Uh, now that we're in a conference play, by the way, this is their lone Division One opponent at home for the rest of this year. They get St. Catherine on Monday, and then they get Eastern Oregon on the 28th. Other than that, they're not home the rest of the year. That's it. So you got about three these three home games, and then they're on the road the rest of the way. Uh, they do are, excuse me, they are in Salt Lake next Saturday at 6 o'clock. Uh, by the way, I know people have been hearing 5 o'clock. It is 6 o'clock next Saturday at Vivint Smart Home Arena versus BYU Cougars. 6 o'clock, not 5. Just make sure we're all clear on that. Uh, but uh, three home games plus that neutral court game uh, will be about the, really the four games you'll be able to see unless you travel uh, to Houston at the Toyota Center versus South Florida and go across country to Florida in Miami to see the Florida Gators and Aggies go at it there. Uh, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll uh, we'll get you some Craig Smith audio press. Where he, in fact, he talks about uh, he talks about just how banged up this team is. I mean, you don't really realize it until now, but Diogo Brito tweaked his ankle versus San Jose State. Sam's banged up. Abel's banged up. Cuba's out for three to six weeks. Uh, he'll talk about that a little bit. Is Keta coming back? He didn't say. We don't know yet. So stay tuned to that. Uh, maybe you'll see him tomorrow. When, in fact, when I asked Kyle Codham, I said, Kyle, uh, is Kyle going to play tomorrow? And he said, well, he could play. And then uh, Al Lewis sitting next to me said, well, I could have $100 million. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Ozzy Salson here, 427, your time here on the Full Court Press. It's Friday, December 6th. Hey, big championship game tonight. Oregon, Utah. And Levi Stadium in San Francisco should be a dandy tonight. Utah wins. You got to like their chances of them getting to the playoff. They're going to they're have to sit tight and wait to see what happens with Oklahoma and Baylor. And, of course, with LSU and Georgia. But 
Utes. Look, you know what? Here's the thing, guys. We have to remember, Aggie fans, that when it comes to this whole scenario of a team trying to get into the college football playoff, why not root for them? I, I know you can't stand the fans, right? Like you hate, you have that one youth fan or on social media or in person, family member, friend, relative, whatever, that you just can't stand, that you don't like. But that doesn't matter right now. That this team with Kyle Whittingham at, at the head coach position, you have to like Utah. You want Utah to be in that playoff. Why not? Right? You, you say you're sick of Bama, you're sick of LSU, you're sick of Georgia, you're sick of Clemson, you're sick of the same teams being in there all the time. Well, guess what? We have a chance to mix it up now with Utah being a part of it. Why wouldn't you want that? Why not? So tonight, I tell you, in more urge than anything, that we're all Utah Ute fans just for the sake to see Utah in the football playoff. I think it'd be great. And you give Whittingham two weeks to prepare for a game, it, it, it's not going to be a cakewalk for the opponent. That's for dang sure. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Boise State-Hawaii, by the way, 2 p.m. tomorrow on ESPN in the Mount West Conference Championship game. If Boise wins, if Memphis loses, does Boise jump to that Cotton Bowl spot? Or does Cincinnati leap them? Sunday's going to be really intriguing. Sunday's going to be a nerve-wracking day for a few teams, I'll tell you that. No doubt. Utah State Aggies, Fresno State tomorrow, 4 p.m. But don't forget, your KVNU will, uh, on 6, 10 a.m. will have your pregame. Uh, jump onto that. Get a hold of it. And... Uh, uh, hear the from Al Lewis and Jalen Moore, and then a post game here from John Russell, Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, and uh, have a chance to be able to uh, share your thoughts on uh, what we hope to be is an Aggie win. All right, so here it is, Craig Smith and his presser getting ready for Fresno State. Fresno State, you know, um, uh, coming in here, obviously they've had uh, four seasons straight of twenty plus wins, and uh, we've had some great games last year. Um, them, you know, taking care of that. The, they uh, gave us our only loss at home last year, and we returned the favor at their place. And so um, uh, they're a very well coached team. They're young. They're playing a lot of inexperienced guys, but yet they still return a good core. Um, you know, Nate Grimes is a very, very good player, and certainly has improved his game. Um, shoots a three a lot better this year than he did last year, and they're able to kind of utilize him in different ways. So um, they're a team that has. Uh, they shoot 31.53s a game, and so they're uh, they're a team that can get it going that way. Um, um, and then defensively, we're going to see about everything. I mean, they'll press every which way possible. You know, we're going to see some man, going to see some zone. Uh, we're going to see a two-two-one press, a one-two-one-one press, a full court run and jump, some full court pickup. So, got to be prepared for everything, and it's league play, and and um, uh, we need to be ready to compete. At least no Braxton Huggins, though. Yep, there is none. Uh, thanks for bringing up that memory. <laughs> but you know that they the Hyder still got guys that shoot. Well, like the, the Hyder kid who's a freshman can really. He's got big time range. He can shoot it from deep. Can get to the rim. Uh, he's averaging 15 and a half points a game as a freshman, a true freshman. That's difficult to do. So uh, Noah Blackwell's an experienced guy. He missed the first two games um, for whatever reason, and. Um, uh, kind of got off to a slow start, had a really good game the other night against UNLV. And so they throw a lot of different guys at you. They're playing a ton of different people right now. Um, and so, again, much like San Jose, although very different teams, we got to really be locked into personnel um, because they just keep on throwing guys in all the time. And so we got to really mind our P's and Q's. Yeah, looking at what the guys that have played, they have used a lot of different guys. 
six freshmen. Six freshmen. Yeah. Yeah, they play a lot. Of, yeah, they have I think eight new players in their program, <coughs> and six including six freshmen. Um, um, and they do. They just they're constantly subbing guys in and out, and they can play. The, their lineups provide a lot of versatility as to how they they want to play, and um, and so like I said, they're almost like. They have different teams within their team based on their personnel, and so we got to be locked in because we're going to defend different ways depending on um, their lineups. Are they playing that many guys because they play so much pressure defense and trying to do that tempo stuff too? Is it more for their defense defense than their offense? Um, I think it's a, a lot of different things. I think it's the way they play. Uh, they they love high possession games and and because they're pressing all the time and um, you know exerting a lot of energy on that end of the floor. And, and also, I just think when you have a lot of new guys, you know, you, you're looking for what you're going to get out of everybody, and you're searching to find, you know, consistency and, and what each guy's going to bring to the table, you know, and have different lineups that play well with each other. It kind of reminds me of us last year, different styles of play, but, you know, early on especially, we were playing 11 guys almost every game and just trying to see what really works and what sticks. Like to finally be home. I mean, you guys have practiced here a little bit, but it's been quite a while since you played a game. It's been a long. It feels like an eternity, you know. And it's kind of almost like we've had two different seasons. We had the five-game homestand where you're almost not itching to get on the road, but you just kind of get that, you know, different stimulus where it's not the same, uh, where it's not so mundane, right, and monotonous. Uh, and then we've been gone for I think um, before yesterday, 14 out of the last. Or no, no gone 12 of the last 16 days in some form or fashion and so then you just become the um, numb to everything almost it's almost just, you're just numb with the time zone changes and all the travel and and just all that that stuff entails and so um, it feels good to be at home and and um, hopefully we'll get a great crowd uh, to come out you know we, we only this is our third to last home game before um uh, in 2019, it's our last Division One home game in 2019. So um, let's get this thing off of the bang. You feeling better about the health of the guys? I know you had some sickness, plus some injuries, or sickness, or illness, or medical, or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, um, uh, you know, Diogo went down with an ankle the other day and and hasn't done a whole lot, and so that doesn't help anything. Um, um, we're pretty beat up, <laughs> so I'm not sure I feel better about things, but it definitely feels good to, to be in our own beds and and have some familiarity. You know, we're not just hopping on an airplane again, but we're pretty beat up right now. Can Kuba play yet? No, Kuba will be out yeah, for. Yeah, he has the. He had an appendicitis surgery, so he's he's going to be out for. Oh yeah, he'll be out for. I don't know the exact timetable, but I was told three to six weeks. Oh, okay. I didn't know it would be that long. Yeah. How did you feel about Trevor Doris in his first start? Trevor, you know, Trevor's just uh, getting better all the time. You know, uh, I thought he did a good job the other night. Uh, played with great physicality. Has a high, high motor. Um, loves to compete. He's a competitor, and he plays tough and physical. Um, uh, but he just he shows up every day, ready to go to work. I thought he had a good game though the other night. I thought he gave us really good minutes um, against San Jose State. Even though it was the only the one game we talked about. Fonz seems to be better off the bench. Yeah, I mean, you know, Fonz has been dealing with some illness as well, and, and we brought him back off the bench again. I think he's a little more comfortable that way and familiar, certainly. Um, and so, and part of that, too, is just their lineup, right? We felt like Trevin would be a better, 
going against their starting five, and so we made that um, flip that way. I thought he handled it really well. You know, you're throwing a guy out there that um, hadn't really played basketball for two years, and 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 he's still a freshman, so it's a big time le- learning curve for him, and kind of throwing him out at the wolves. But it's been fun to see his progress. He's certainly made great progress in the last two to three weeks. He's doing things that he wasn't doing three weeks ago, and so he continues to climb, and that's what you expect out of freshmen. Do you have to chase Grimes then out to the three-point line? Oh, yeah, he's time? So th- th- that can be a different assignment for your five guys you're playing man and things. So, you know. Yeah, Grimes is, I mean, he's 10 for 26 on the year from the three, shooting almost 39, you know, 38.5%. And uh, you can tell, like, you could see him making progress last year with it, and certainly he has this year. And they have more guys where he can... They can play kind of, you know, the other one is Orlando Robinson, who's a true freshman as well, and he's a good player. Um, and he can score inside, he can score outside as well. Um, and he's, play, he's played his best basketball here the last couple games. So um, they give them, those two guys out there, give them a lot of flexibility as to what they can do because they can shoot it, they can handle, they can pass, and they can kind of, <clears throat> um, they have versatility to play, you know, both of them can play inside and out so they can, um, do some different things that I think really helps their um, offensibility. And then all those guards are all, um, they're all guys, that, every single one of them, you name the guy, they can all shoot the three, they can all drive it, they all handle it. So they're almost got like just a, like five or six kind of combo guards out there that can really do a lot of different things. So it puts a lot of pressure on you, and that's what um, good offensive teams do. Coach Craig Smith night on Saturday. Uh, what uh, you ex- looking forward to that? Yeah, I've been counting down the days. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were getting on the plane and somebody uh, brought it up, and I'm just like, oh man, what? A, now, hopefully, they get to realize what pale, bald guys, you know, got the misery they have to go through every single day. But um, you know. It's exciting to be at home. We have such a great atmosphere in this place, and hopefully our student body and the herd is going to come out in full force, and all the fans will come out and support us and, uh, and bring that energy. And, you know, it's interesting. The, other, uh, the first night in league play, and this doesn't happen very often, but four of the five road teams won on opening night. That doesn't happen very often in any league. And so you really got to take care of business at home and certainly um, – Certainly, the mystique and the spectrum magic and all that that entails is such a huge part of uh, our success over the last, well, over the last 50 years, quite frankly, and certainly last year and thus far this year. Anything else? You want to shave any heads? I would love to shave heads um, maybe after the game if, uh, you know, uh, that'd be a good thing. I thought about before the game, but I think I'll have a few other things on my mind. But um, we do it every day. I mean, I have a lot of practice. I can trim that baby up pretty sharp in about 45 seconds. (laughs) He's a good haircut guy if you need to shave your head. Anything else, I'm not entirely confident that he can maybe be able to cut and Unless he, unless you're one of those people who want to shave like his face in your head, right? Like at the back of your head. A lot of people do that now. Shave, you know, their favorite player, their favorite coach, their face on the back of their head, or however they do it. So, I mean, if that's you, then maybe he can help you out. Otherwise, I would stay away from, you know, anything too fancy of a haircut from Coach Smith. But he's a he's a heck of a basketball coach. Look, this team's got something. Uh, last year was pretty darn good. And you, as we as we heard from Richie Schiller, this team can be just as good when they get everybody back. When everybody's healthy, look, this has been a brutal 
stretch for them, especially for the, as long as they've been on the road and, and for how many games they've had on the road. Again, this is their only Division I home game for the rest of the year. They have St. Catherine and Eastern Oregon on the 10th and 28th, respectively, but that's it. You know, next week they're at, uh, next Saturday they're at uh, Salt Lake City, in, or excuse me, in Salt Lake City at Vivens Farm Arena for the Beehive Classic versus BYU. The following week they're in from, uh, they're at the Toyota Center to face South Florida in Houston. Then they travel across the country to Florida to face the Gators. Uh, and then after that, they finally come home for Eastern Oregon on the 28th, but then two days later they're back on the road for UNLV. So it's, I mean, it is a brutal, brutal schedule for this Aggies team. Um, and the question is, is, is how long can they handle it? How long can they go in, in dealing with this? Just, I mean, they're exhausting. As, as you heard from him, uh, Kuba's out for three to six weeks. And so that, that knocks out a big man. Uh, is Keta going to be played tomorrow? We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll see. Uh but I have not heard anything official. Let me make something very clear. I have not heard whether he is playing or whether he is not playing. I have no idea. So uh, I'm just like I'm in the dark, just like the rest of everybody else. We'll find out. Uh, and uh, but boy, Utah State could use him here coming up, especially next week versus the Elite Child and those Cougars. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into some other Mountain West talk. By the way, this week of the Mountain West will take place at 5:30, uh, bomb of next hour. Uh, with Nate Craigman, so you hear from you'll hear from him. Uh, he'll take over from 5:30 to 6 for us and uh, and talk some Mount West basketball. But let's uh, let's also do our portion of it and at least do our end. You know, UNLV beating Fresno State stunned me. 81-80 was your final score there. Is Fresno really that in that bad a shape, or is that just a bad night? That's what everyone's trying to figure out. Uh, Nevada six and three on the year will be facing Air Force in Air Force, who's four and five. Air Force also is one and zero in Mount West play. Nevada, this for them, this will be their Mount West opener. Uh, UNLV four and six will face uh, BYU in Las Vegas, who is six and four. Uh, in fact, that game, you know what? They're not in UNLV. They're at Vivint Smart Home Arena. So BYU gets Las Vegas in Salt Lake City. In, and then uh, the next Saturday, they're back at Vivint Smart Home to face the Aggies. Uh, New Mexico, 8-2 on the year. 1-0 in Mountain West will face Wyoming, who is 0-1 in Mountain West play. And 3-6 and overall in the year. That will be in Laramie, Wyoming at the Arena Auditorium. And, of course, you got Fresno State, Utah State, 4 o'clock at the Spectrum. And then Colorado State to cap off the Mountain West night. 6-4 and at home, 0-1 in the Mountain West. Uh, versus at, uh, I mean, at Boise State, who is 4-3. Overall, an 0-1 in the Mountain West. I'll be at the Extra Mile Arena in Boise, Idaho. Uh, we'll get into um, other Mountain West Conference, and, and, or not Mountain West Conference, but Top 25 action in the next hour um, and uh, talk about some of those games. But I, uh, I also want to get into some uh, Utah-Oregon talk and why I'm so excited about this game and who I think is going to win and what the keys are going to be for for Utah if they want to get out of Levi Stadium with a Pac-12 championship. So we'll talk about that here. That's going to come up in uh, the next segment. It's Full Court Press. I'm Audrey Salve. So 106 on FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
Bobby McSouse here on the Full Court Press. We're about to wrap up the first hour. Boy, it came and gone quickly, didn't it? Richie Shore, thank you so much to him for joining me here on the Full Court Press. ESPN analyst for college basketball does an incredible job. Uh, really fun to talk to. He's, he's great. Uh, we'll post that link here as soon as I possibly can um, and, and get it out for you guys to be able to, uh, to, be able to hear. All right, uh, tonight. Six o'clock, Levi Stadium, Utah, Oregon, Pac-12 championship on the line. If you're a Pac-12 person, I hate to tell you, I mean, outside of Oregon, you want Utah to win because you want Utah to be in that college football playoff. If you're anybody in the state of Utah, you want Utah to win. I, I know it. I I know. I know you're shaking your head. You're probably yelling at me. You're saying some words that you probably shouldn't be saying right now. But that's who you want. You want Utah to be in there. Why wouldn't you want a team from the state of Utah to be in the college football playoff as one of the four best teams in the country? Look, you might not like your Uncle Dean, your Grandpa Joe, your Aunt Margaret, all right? Mama Jean. You mean, because they're Utah fans. And Ute fans can be absolutely, positively arrogant, annoying, and cocky. Got it. Totally understand. And if they're talking about basketball, they have no room to talk because they suck. They're really bad. But when it comes to this football team, they're really, really, really good. So good that they're being in serious, in complete serious consideration to be a part of the four-team playoff to compete for a national championship. And, and why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we want that? They're good enough to be there, too. Whether you agree with it or not is, is, is totally your decision. But they're good enough to be there. And you know, and, and people say, well, they could get blown out. Well, guess what? Everyone thought they'd get beat by Pittsburgh in the Fiesta Bowl in 05 or 04. Well, 35-17 later, Utah was winners of the Fiesta Bowl. So then here comes the 2008 Sugar Bowl. Versus Alabama, who had just lost the SEC championship to uh, Florida. And, and, in fact, I was telling somebody a story of this today. If you listen closely to that coin toss, after the coin toss is done, they shake hands. A linebacker tells a Utah Ute, we're going to kill you tonight. That's what he says. I am, I'm quoting, by the way, please. And I'm exactly quoting. He says, we're going to kill you tonight. End quote. It was 21 nothing, Utah. Before anybody could even have a seat and start chewing on their popcorn and nachos. It was 21 nothing. Final score, 31-17. The game was really never even in a threat. This team, this Utah team, now could be better than 08 squad. Could be. I don't know if they're better than the 4 team. That 4 team was incredible. Coached by Urban Meyer. If we could ever have a past versus present, Utah Utes specifically here, I would love to see the this team now versus the 4 squad of the Utes in from 4 The Fiesta Bowl team. Who would win? Who would win between the 08 Sugar Bowl team and the 04 team, right? Alex Smith in 04 in that offense was just incredible. was stupid good. 
But what we're all forgetting to talk about is his Oregon Ducks team. Look, for the last week, for the last seven days, six days, all Oregon has heard is, well, if Utah wins, are they going to make the playoff or not? If Utah wins, maybe they get left in or left out. If they win, maybe they're in. Oregon has heard not a peep about, you know what? If Oregon wins, they're going to the Rose Bowl. No one's saying a word about them. Justin Herbert is going to come and, and ball out. He's a really extremely good quarterback. He's athletic. He's got a good arm. He's got good vision. Um, I'm a huge fan of him. Over 3,000 yards passing right now. It's a good football team in Oregon. And like I said, they're sick of hearing about it. They're sick of hearing about, you know, Utah and Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley. No, no one's talking about Justin Herbert completing over 67% of his passes. No one's talking about two running backs with over 100 carries and over 500 yards rushing. And, and the receiving core that's evenly split in regards to talent. No one's saying a word. This Oregon team's got a chip on their shoulder. They're going to lay it on the line tonight. It's a good football team. It's going to be a fun one tonight. My prediction for tonight, Oregon Ducks, Utah Utes. Utah 31, Oregon 28. That is my non-biased opinion. Yes, non-biased. By the way, ESPN Metro Predictor has Utah 51%. Full 51.1, Oregon at 48.9. Now, Oregon's offense is, is legit. We've already talked about that. Now, But they've had a couple problems in the last, what, two weeks. Uh, they're averaging more than 41 points per game in, those, in the previous five contests. But were held to just seven in the uh, first three quarters versus Arizona State. And then they needed that uh, late touchdown just to break 20 in the 24-10 win over uh, Oregon State. By the way, Justin Herbert was held to a low in that game versus Oregon State for 174 yards. Now, on the other side, defensively, the Utes have been incredible. They've held six opponents to seven points or fewer. They lead the nation in run defense about 56 and a half yards, uh, only on 2.26 per carry. They rank in the top 10 in the nation and best in the Pac-12 in scoring defense at 11.3, and total defense at 241 yards, and held 11 of the 12 opponents to under 100 yards rushing right now. That's how good they are. That's how good this team is. Defensively, Utah gets the job done. They beat the Oregon Ducks. It's 31-28 is my prediction of the final score. Utah will move on, hopefully, to the college football playoff. I think that LSU beats Georgia, and I think it's 46-12. to Oklahoma beats Baylor 27-20. to but I believe that the Utes' win will be more emphatic and that it will end up being the reason why Utes get into the college football playoff. Uh, Ohio State will take care of business. I think they route. I think they win and they run away winning. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll close up the first hour. Get ready for the second hour. It's all coming up on the full court press. 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. 
Ozzy Salves here on the Full Court Press. We're just wrapping up the first hour. Big thanks to Richie Tour for joining us in this hour. I'm going to go post the link here in just a little bit so you all can listen to it. You can find it on our podcast uh, platform, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. We can also stream us on 1069thefan.com. Uh, don't forget to do that. Uh, by the way, uh, Ridgeland lost to Desert Hills last night. Skyview, 65-64 winners over Pineview. And finally, Mountain Crest falls to Weber. 6137. We'll talk to you in the second hour coming up next. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The College Football Playoff Committee could have an interesting choice to make this weekend. Let's assume Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson all win their conference title games. That leaves one spot in the Final Four. Georgia is out in this scenario because it would have lost to LSU. That leaves Utah representing the Pac 12 and Oklahoma and Baylor from the Big 12. Not that those teams need my advice, but if I was them, I'd try to win and win big. You need style points, as big as possible. Even if Utah has the game in hand against Oregon, the Utes should keep piling it on. Keep in mind, remember when Ohio State beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing in the Big Ten title game? They jumped ahead of the Big 12 co-champs Baylor and TCU. All the teams that hope to get in need to make their last impression a strong one. That means there's no room for sportsmanship this weekend. No win is too big when a spot in the Final Four is at stake. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.